We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. So that's all I need today is a good seal of approval. But last week I started a new series entitled uh, Glory. And uh, I talked about last week how that there's a sound to it by our words that we speak. And so today I want us to continue in this series on glory. Today I want to talk about how it affects us. The glory effect in our lives. Because this is not just something that we experience on Sundays or Wednesdays. And I want to encourage you, come to Wednesday nights. We're having a great time, great study, starting a new series this Wednesday night. But it's not just a Sunday and Wednesday visitation that God has with us. But He wants to indwell us and affect the way we live all day long, every day. And um, so last week I kind of gave you a foundational message. I want to just recap for just a moment. The reason why God sent His Son into the world was to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. He wants us to have a little heaven while we're here. Even in the way He designed the prayer, He said this, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God wants us, while we're here as His children, to live in a level of glory that He wants us to be able to live here and enjoy this life. And, and I talked about that. And, and this week I want to talk about how it affects us. And the word glory in the, in the Hebrew, it means it has a weight to it. You can feel it. Have you ever been in the glory, in the presence of God, where it just kind of, you felt kind of pushing you down? It just feel that weight? It is a tangible part of God's presence. And I talked how the last week how that we live by faith, not by sight. Some people think that doubt is the greatest hinderer to faith. But it's not doubt, it is sight. Sight is the greatest hindrance to our faith because we may be believing but still we see things that are. The Bible tells us that faith is taking things that are not and believing that they are. So we begin to speak words of faith. And they have authority. They have weight to them. They are backed up by the word of God. And today I want to tell you that I think as Christians, children of God, that we spend a lot of time Praying about things, hoping about things, when we should just speak to those things. Not pray about it, but speak to it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12, verses 23 through 25. I'm reading from the NIV, and it says this. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John tells us that we beheld his glory. Uh, John experienced a level of glory he had not seen before on the Mount of Transfiguration. Amen. Jesus is about to go to a different level of being glorified than he was here on earth. But while he was here on earth, he experienced a level of glory. The Bible tells us that when he came from heaven to earth, that he emptied himself of all of his deity. To become man. But he retained a level of glory. 
in order to show us how we are to live. Jesus spoke to the winds. He spoke to the waves. His level of glory had authority and power because He was Creator. You and I are not creators. I don't believe that we should go out and speak to winds and waves. But I do believe we have the authority to speak the Word of God. So if God's Word says it, then we speak that Word. I, my words have no weight or authority. But God's Word does. So when I begin to speak in faith, I don't speak my words. I go to the Word of God. What has God's Word said? Then I speak that Word over the situation. Verse 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and it dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is saying, I'm one seed. But when I die, I'm going to produce many. You take one kernel of corn, you bury it in the ground, it produces a corn stalk. It has several different ears of corn that have many kernels on it. That's the way we are to be. We've got to die to self. i got to tell you that this morning. That's a process we don't want to speak about too much. But we have to die to self so that then we can reproduce many. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. A lot of paradoxes in that verse. If you want to, if you want to gain it, you lose it. If you want to keep it, you've got to give it up. All those things. In other words, he's trying to tell us that if we had to choose between this life and eternal life of Christ, we should want to choose eternal life with Christ. Amen. But while we are here, we are to live a life filled with the glory of God. His presence, His power, His anointing on us 24-7. Look at John chapter 13. I want to read this passage, verses 1 through 12. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Jesus realizes this kernel of corn, this seed, is about to die. I want to reproduce many. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. How many things have been put under the power of Jesus Christ? All things. And that He had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. That's an important Phrase. That is an important line in this passage. Simon Peter, you don't really understand what I'm doing, but I'm preparing you for glory that is to come. Don't understand it, but you will. Verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. 
I love Simon Peter. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head, everything. Just give me a bath, okay? And Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and then he asked them, Do you understand what I have done for you? He knew they didn't understand the spiritual future that they had, but he wanted to put something in their mind so that they would remember. I want you to understand, God always has process. He does things the same way again and again and again. And so I want to give you a pattern that God has. In the Old Testament, God designs a pattern. A pattern. When you study church governance, you will find that churches usually operate the same way of the country that they're in. Uh, in, in countries that have one ruler, if you go to the churches, you'll find one person in charge of the church. We in America live in a democracy. So most of our American churches have a democratic form of leadership. This church does. The way the flow chart goes in this church, we have God as the head of the church. Then we have the congregation, all of you that are members. Then we have the pastor. Then we have the board. Then we have other leaders of all the ministries. But God is first, then the congregation. God, however, in His kingdom, it is not a democratic kingdom. He is God. He is king. He is ruler. And what He says is the authority. Now, most of us in America don't really like that kind of authority. We like to have input. We want to discuss a little bit. We want to rationalize it out. We want to see if there's a compromise we can come to. Because that's our nature. That's our nation. In churches, in churches, we have that happening all the time. The, the pastor will feel like we need to go in this direction. The board may go, no, we need to go in this direction. Or the congregation may say, no, we need to go in this direction. And there's compromises. I talked about it Wednesday night, how at the end times, the people of the church will want to get pastors who just tickle their ears. They really don't want someone to come in and, and, and turn over the bushel cart, but they just want somebody to make them happy. In the Bible, that kind of shepherd is called a hireling. If he just does what you pay him to do, that's a hireling. I am to be a shepherd. Right? And when I check the book, the sheep don't pick the shepherd. But in the churches we do. The sheep pick the shepherd. And guess what? The sheep can get rid of the shepherd if they don't like it. Well, our shepherd's a little too rough with that staff. He just yanks us by the neck. I don't like that. Let's get a shepherd who just comes over here and picks me up and calms me. It's not biblical, but that's the way we do church, right? We have a democratic form. God says, that's not the pattern that I designed. Let me give you the pattern how I designed it. So in the Old Testament, he gives, he gives a pattern of how to build him a, a tabernacle. And so they build the tabernacle. And God says, I want it in the very center. I want the Israelites encamped all around me. Because I want all of their life 
to surround, be surrounded by me and me surround their life and their life centered on me. So he puts the tabernacle in the middle, puts all the tribes around it so that every day they're looking to God. And when they build the tabernacle, they don't cut any corners. They do exactly what God said. I mean, everything is to the inch. Everything is done perfect. No rounding up, no rounding down, no corners. And when the tabernacle was built, God's presence filled that place. He told them how to design the ark, how to design the Holy of Holies, and He filled that place. The next pattern that He designs is the temple. He gives that pattern to King David. But we know because of David's life, God says, David, I don't want you to build it. I just want you to get the money to build it. And so David starts a fundraising, a capital campaign. And I love this. Most pastors love this. King David finally had to tell the people, stop bringing so much money. We got enough. Wouldn't it be great if I could get up here on Sunday morning and go, we're not taking up any more offerings. You guys have given more money than we know how to spend. Just stop it. But King David raised the money, but God did not want him building it. So his son Solomon comes along and he builds this elaborate temple. They don't cut any corners. I mean, it is beyond imaginations. And God, once they build it, Isaiah, his presence filled the temple. Okay? So God has a pattern that he designs, and when that pattern is followed, he fills the temple with his glory. Now, people today, we have to follow the pattern. Because we've gone from tabernacle to temple, but when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom, and now we have access, every one of us, to the Holy of Holies, the presence, the glory of God. And he now declares, I'm not dwelling in the tabernacle. I'm not dwelling in the temple. But I'm going to do what? Dwell in you. Not a visitation. Not a let me see on Sunday and Wednesday kind of God. But he wants a habitation, a house that he dwells in. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20. Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you receive from God? And here's what he says. You are not your own. Boy, our democratic mind doesn't want to look at that that way. Well, whoever, I, I'll do what I want to do. I'll say what I want to say. And I'm going to be what I want to be. Not if you're going to follow the pattern. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Honor God with your body. That's not really a democratic point of discussion. It is a pattern. If you want my presence and my glory, honor me with your body. Look at verses 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Now they knew the temple. Had to look back in history for the tabernacle. But they're making the procession in progress of pattern. 
You are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. Wow. The Bible calls us living stones. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are stones of that temple. And as we gather together, we build a habitation for the glory of God. Now, if we follow the pattern, if we follow the pattern, we don't cut any corners, we don't round up, and we don't round down. We follow God's pattern. Guess what's going to happen? His glory will fill the temple. The temple is sacred and holy. Your body is not your own. You don't get to do with your body what you want to do with it. You have to now submit your body to the will and the Word of God. We have to submit our mind, our will, our emotions. This is our spirit and soul to the will of God. If we don't, the presence does not dwell there. But when we do, the presence of God fills the temple. And we are able to live in His glory. When everyone begins to get into their rightful place, every stone where it's supposed to be, then we have a habitation. And I want to tell you, that has happened throughout our church history very rarely, but it happens. And when it happens, God fills that place. And guess what? Miracles happen. Divine things happen. We, we talked about it earlier, uh, uh, Brownsville or, or one of these other, uh, Brother Kim was mentioning this, Topeka, Kansas, uh, the revival there, uh, California, the revival there. Throughout history, we have patterns to where people decided they're going to do nothing but seek after God. They got lined up. They got their bodies pulled under subjection, mind, will, and emotions. Well, God, what do you want? And wouldn't it be awesome if we had a church to where when people came in sick, everyone left healed? Everyone? Wouldn't it be great if people come in with their marriages about to be destroyed and they were brought back together as one and no man can separate? Wouldn't it be awesome that when people, when, when they came in hurting and, and pain-filled, they, they would leave rejoicing? It can happen. It's happened in the past. And God said, when the pattern is followed, my glory will descend and fill the place and it will have weight to it. <clears throat> I remember a time when I was at Southwestern, we had about five weeks where that happened. We, we were in chapel one morning and, and one of our teachers, professors was talking and he just stopped. He just said, we need everyone right now to come to the altars. There was nobody playing or singing. We didn't have the right songs or nothing. I mean, it was just out of the ordinary. And I will tell you, students just started coming to the front. I was one of them, and I didn't quite make it to the front. Because I was out and walking, I just found myself on the ground under the weight of the glory. And for about five weeks, every time we walked in that chapel, it just was like walking right into the very thick presence of God. We had a, we had a guy that was working for Pizza Hut, and the owner came to the school because he hadn't been to work in three days. And, and they said, have you seen? And they go, oh yeah, he's in the chapel. So the guy goes in there to get him. The owner of the pizza hut there in Waxahachie, Texas. 
He goes in to get him, and as soon as he walks in the chapel, he's flat on his face. You've heard about these stories to where uh, during uh, Pastor Seymour's sermons, he would be preaching it, and they just put the money in the back wall. They didn't even take up offerings because people were giving so much money, it was piled up on the floor. And these guys come in one day, they thought, we're going to raid that money, we need it. These four men walked in to take the money, and they were slain in the Spirit. And they didn't even know what was going on. And they started praising God in a spiritual language they didn't know anything about. Because of the glory of God. The glory of God. You and I, in the past, we've seen a lot of things. I have, you have. I can tell you stories all day long of, of seeing the glory of God. My wife and I were one night praying at the, around the altars and, and we had pews in the church. And uh, the, the altars were filled. And we prayed for this young lady. And, and she, we don't, I don't believe in catchers, okay? And so we, we just would pray for her and, and she just went out in the spirit. The problem was she was standing right in front of the pew. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything weird or crazy. I'm telling you the truth. When she went out in the spirit, she wound up under the pew. All we could see was from the knees down, right? And we both stood there and stood back about three feet. And so did everybody around us, and it got real quiet. Because how did she go through that? We don't know. But we know one thing, we saw it. In that same service, I had a young man who, about 12 years of age, had broken his elbow in the growth plate, and the doctor told him he had never straightened it out. He had come up for prayer, but left. We're praying, and all of a sudden, he screams out. He's sitting right over there like that in the church. And he starts, he's still up 12 years old, and starts screaming out, Pastor! Pastor, look! My arm! It's glory! It's the glory of God! And God says, you are now the temple. I want to dwell in you. I want to live in you. I want to fill you beyond your physical capacity. I want there to be rivers flowing out of you. I want it to affect the way you live. I want it to affect the way you talk, affect the way you think, affect the people around you because the glory of God is in you and with you and through you. You see, the problem is sometimes the stones don't get in the right places. Because the places God wants us to be in, we go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to give up that. But I want to do this. And I want to do that. And God says, no, I want you to do this. And I want you to do that. And so we think there's a democracy. Jesus said, I am on the throne. I need to be the Lord. And so in that meeting, in that meal, Jesus takes a towel and wraps around him. The way the culture was set up, the, the roads were, were dirt, they were filthy. So whenever you came into someone's house, even though you'd already bathed before you left your house, your feet would be dirty because of where you'd been. And so they would have the lowest entry-level servant to be the one at the front door to wash every guest's feet when they come in. They'd take their sandals off, wash their feet, and then they would drive in, and then you would enter in without any sandals on into the home. This was the lowest level of servanthood. Jesus, who had already emptied himself of his deity, is now beginning to take a position of the lowest 
of the lowest of servants. That's why Simon Peter said, hey, don't just wash my feet, but wash all of me. He says, hey, you, you're already clean. Just your feet are dirty because you've been out in the world. I don't want this dirt coming in here. You see, every day of our lives, we have to go out in this world and we're going to get the residue of this life on us. That's why I love Wednesday nights. It's a good time in the middle of the week to get washed up again. To get refreshed and renewed and revived in the spirit. And so when we come into the house of God, guess what we bring in here? A lot of dirt from the places we've been walking this week. A lot of languages we've heard, a lot of jokes we've heard, attitudes we've been uh, part of, and all the things that have happened in life, situations, families, and jobs, and all these things, financials and health and all those things. And we bring them in, and sometimes it's hard to get into the praise and the worship because we're dirty from the knee down with residue from the week we've been living. And Jesus is saying, I don't want any of the world's dirt in my house. And that's what he's saying to the church today. I don't want any of the world's effects upon you in my house. Let's wash it off as we're walking in the door. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with what? Praise. God has already saved us and redeemed us and we're clean. He calls us clean. But we have the residue of the world on us. We walk in and our feet are filthy. Why? Because we've been out in this world. And I want to tell you, no matter where you work or what you do, you're going to get dirty out there. You may be up by yourself from Sunday to Wednesday and it's just you. Hey, you're in the world. You're going to get dirty. And so we got to make sure we get this thing cleaned up. Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing, but you soon will. Now, reflexologists will tell you that every part of your body is connected in your feet. That with a very small touch on your feet, you can help out different organs in your body, different emotions. I mean, it, it's true. God has put a lot of things in our feet. And Jesus was touching the part of our body that then touches every other part of our body. It affects everything else in our bodies. He was touching their feet and all the nerves that are there and all the, the things that are there, it changes. And Jesus said, if you can get your feet clean, it'll change everything else about you. The way you think, the way you walk, the way you live, the way you talk, the way you look at life, the way you talk to other people, the way you make your decisions, everything in life, because your feet have been touched. Yeah. Imagine that. Jesus knew all of this. So Jesus is, um, is, is he's buried, he's crucified, he's resurrected to the next level of his glory. He appears to his disciples and, and he goes into rooms that are locked and he disappears. And, and that's a level of glory we have yet to attain, right? But one day we're going to have that level of glory. To where the corruptible has incorruptible, the mortal immortality. I can't wait. But right now in this world, He's given us a level of glory so we can live here victorious. Victorious. Powerful. To where our words have weight and authority. 
The problem is the glory only fills the temples that have followed the pattern. When we don't follow the pattern, we don't get filled. In the tabernacle, the design of God was followed, the pattern was finished, and the glory was there between the cherubims. When the temple was finished, the glory of God filled. The priests could not fulfill their duties. God's train wouldn't even fit in the temple. And I talked about that in previous messages. But in the New Testament, we are the temple. In the New Testament, God has designed you. He hasn't cut any corners. He hasn't rounded up or rounded down. He's made you the way He wants you to be perfect to be a temple of the glory of God. Now, Simon Peter got his feet washed. Jesus talked to them about a level of glory. And he said, you don't understand it now, but you will. Now we know that whenever uh, Jesus was arrested, who was the first person to deny Christ three times? Simon Peter. Now, fast forward, there's been a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And there was a fire like it was of tongues that rested upon them on the day of Pentecost. And they were in an upper room. They had set aside. They were getting the temples ready. And they were praying. And God filled them. And when they were filled, they all spoke in a language they did not know. They then went out of that room into the streets. And they started with boldness, with boldness, becoming witnesses of what they had seen and what they had heard. What had Simon Peter seen? He had seen Jesus speak to those who were sick. He had seen Jesus speak to those who were dead. He had seen Jesus speak to waves and wind and all these things. And now they go out under the anointing temples filled with the glory of God preaching the word without being weak. Without denying. And God brought men into the house that day. But look at Acts chapter 3. Right after the day of Pentecost happened. Here's this passage. One day, Peter and John. Remember Peter? Didn't want to wash my feet. I'll deny him three times. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to bed from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he did with everybody else. Hey, you got some money? Can you help me out? Peter looked straight at him as John did. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from them. That's a key. Are we expecting to get anything from God? Then Peter said, just a minute, we got to wait. We got to go in the church. We got to go get the prayer committee. We got to have three or four days of fasting. We got to put this on the prayer chart. We've got to let this go through the process of the board and all that to make sure it's okay. We, we've got to get this thing approved by all the democracies and then we'll come back to it. No, here's what he did. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have. Well, what do you have, Simon Peter? He said, what I do have, I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Wow. This had never happened before. It had always been Jesus. When they're in the boat, they're about to die. Jesus really wanted them to go up there and express some things. To use their words, remember? But they went and woke Him up. There have been many times when people were sick and they go, hey, we can't do anything about this. This little boy keeps throwing himself in the fire. Jesus said, how long am I going to put up with you? And he goes over and speaks to the demonic. But this time, Simon Peter says, I've got something. I didn't understand it 50 plus days earlier when he washed my feet. But I understand now that because he's gone, he has left a level of glory in my life. And I know how to use it. He said, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then where did he go? Right into the church. He went in the temple courts walking and jumping. Jumping. This guy has never walked a day in his life and he's already gone to jumping. And praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Isn't that the same guy who used to sit at the begging at the temple gate called Beautiful? And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow. Simon Peter says, I get it. He came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. The kingdom of God that God had blessed Adam with in the, in the garden to where you operate like I do. You speak and things will begin to happen. Adam lost that glory. Look at Psalms. He writes about it. And Jesus came to restore the glory of God back to us so that when we speak the words of God, Simon Peter knew it was God's will. He knew the spirit and affirmation. And he, he operated in that gifting of the glory. He was filled. He was filled. I believe there are so many things in our lives that we have begun to just pray about and hope about that God has said, listen, don't pray about that. I don't want you praying about that. I've already said what I will do. I want you to speak to it. Now I'm not talking about going out here and speaking to tornadoes. I want, I want you to be clear. But I'm talking about what God has said in His Word that He will do. I said it last week. Abraham believed that God had the power to do what He promised He was doing. Now what has God's word said about my situation? Last week, I asked you if you had a need in your life and you had a situation, I asked the Holy Spirit to give you the solution in the word of God. And we had people from one side to the other filled with that hope. Here's what God's word said. Now this week, I've got one story already. This week we had a lady who uh, didn't know it, but realized all of a sudden the tires on her car, the wire was sticking out. 
She didn't know that. She turned the tires and the wire was sticking out. And she said, Lord, I don't have any money to buy tires with. But I have to drive this car. God, I need you to provide. Now what has God said about provision? He's Jehovah Jireh. I will meet all your needs according to what? My riches in heaven. So she just began to speak. God, I need these tires. That day, that day a couple met her from Enid, Oklahoma. And she began to tell them that uh, she needed some tires. And the lady said, you know what? My husband and I will just buy those tires for you. Come on. They said, where's the closest Walmart here in Ponca? They didn't even know where it was. This lady woke up that morning having a need. God said, I'm going to take care of it. She began to believe that and speak that, Lord, I need these tires. You're my provider. Provide. And God said, I got a couple in Eden that's got the money. I'll bring them your way today. The people that eat it didn't know when they got up that morning they were going to buy a brand new set of tires for that lady from Walmart. Neither did the lady know there's a couple that eat it that can, that can provide. But God says, I got this thing all figured out. I just need you to begin to operate in my power, in my glory. You may say, well, that's not a very big deal. Hey, what about if it's your tires? And it's your only mode of transportation. And it's the only way you've got to make a living. I'm telling you, I've seen this happen in my life and seen his life in all of our lives. I've seen it happen in so many people's lives. They begin to get the glory of God filling the temple. They submit to God completely. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. This is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. It's where we do what God says. His word already tells us what we need to do. I read it this morning. The first thing is to honor God with our bodies. Listen, that's a big deal in this generation. Your body is not your own. Well, I can do with it what I want to do. No, you can't. It's not yours. You are bought with a price. You are a slave. God owns you. He's the master. Boy, we don't like those kind of words. We don't want to be under authority. We want to be the authority. God says, in my kingdom, I'm the authority. But here's what I don't want to happen. So I wrote this down. I want you to write it down if you take notes. Do not let the residue of life in your house. Oh, dear. Jesus said, come on. Whatever you experience out there, don't let it get in your house. Now listen, I, I'm going to get a little nosy right here, but we got a lot of things in our culture that our kids say, hey, everybody else is doing it. But you go, when you're in my house, we don't have that residue in here. Well, everybody else is wearing this. All these teenage girls, I know, moms and dads, you have fights over this stuff. But mom and dad, uh, I watched, uh, I like Tim Allen for some reason, I like him. He had a show a long time ago called Home Improvement, and he made this statement, this kind of stuck in my head. Mom and dad, you're the big people in the house. You're the authority. You're not their friends. So what if they don't like you? But I want my kids to 
kids don't like me. Well, they may not all the time. My kids hated my guts quite a bit. Well, Dad, I just hate you. Good, I love you. And because I love you, I'm not going to let the residue of this world in my house. And we can't let the residue of the world come in the church. We've got to get our feet cleaned off. We've got to walk and talk this thing. We've got to live this thing. We've got to go with us as we're going through our daily life. We've got to say, hey, don't look to me to give you money or whatever, whatever they're asking for, advice or wisdom, but what I do have. But we've got to make sure we have something. We've got to make sure we have something. Simon Peter says, hey, you know what? I don't have all these other things, but here's what I do have. Walk. I've got power. I've got authority. And God's backing up His Word. I'm telling you, this is the pattern that God has put into this place. I want you to be a temple. I want you to get rid of the residue. I want this glory to affect your whole life. It affects your attitudes, your priorities, your walk, your talk, your friends, your family, your finances, your health. It will affect you. It is called the glory effect. It affects everything I touch. It affects everything I think. The enemy puts thoughts in my head. I have to take them captive. Because I don't want the glory gone. Pop culture. I had a gentleman this morning during, during the greeting. He grabbed my hands and held me a little bit. He said, Pastor, I want to thank you for preaching the truth. You don't water it down. I like that. We got a lot of watering down today. We got a lot of ear tickling going on. We got a lot of shepherds who are afraid they're going to make the sheep upset. Listen, a good shepherd at times will yank you back into place. A good shepherd would go, hey, you're going the wrong way. Get back over here. A good shepherd's not a hireling. A good shepherd says, hey, I will lay down my life for my sheep. I love this church. And I want the glory even greater than it's ever been in the history of this church. I want the glory of God so thick that when people walk in the doors, they go, whoa, I felt something. When they park in the parking lot, I want them to go, I feel something different at this church. I want what they have. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it, but I want it. Would you stand with me today, church? I'm telling you, I am so filled with this powerful message. I, I can't hardly stop. I know it's time to stop, and I'm going to stop today. But there is an effect on your life message and join us anytime at pcachurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.